Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday Q&A. I'm Eric Griffin, president of iTeam Trading. With me, I have Lynette Zhang, our chief market analyst. For those of you who don't know or are tuning in for the first time, we take your questions that you submit to us via email to questions at itmtrading.com. Take them. We put them here on the screen in front of us, so we ask them live, so you get a real, true, spontaneous, organic response. Are you ready? I am so ready. Okay, cool. Zay S. asks, once metal markets make a major upswing in price mm -hmm. and are no longer being suppressed, mm -hmm. where will the liquidity come from in order for us to sell at these much higher prices? Well, history shows us that <clears throat> not everybody loses all of their wealth. Those that are in the right place at the right time with the right asset will retain that wealth. And that's where that liquidity comes from. Because at that juncture, everybody knows that the currency is absolutely worthless. And they're trying to hold on to whatever purchasing power they can. So the demand actually grows in those in the, that are in the you know top 10% or whatever. I, I don't know what the percentage of, of, uh, you know, of the loss is. But I can tell you, in Venezuela, 90% of the population ended up in abject poverty. Maybe globally on average, it's usually about 80%. So the liquidity is going to come from that 10 to 20% of the population that still has the wealth. And their standard of living doesn't really change as much, but there are a lot more opportunities for them. Yeah, and to say it in a different way, because this we get this question a lot, and it's pe mm -hmm. people are naturally, you know, confused by the answer to it sometimes. So, mm -hmm. another way of saying it is, um, for example, it, gold is like bull, just pure bullion, right? It, it generally tends to hold its purchasing power over time. So, if we get into a hyperinflationary environment where you are, let's say you made $50,000 a year, and you know, as we get into hyperinflation, you'll be making more in nominal terms, right? It'll have less purchasing power, but let's say, let's say the value of the dollar, um, the, the value of that salary goes to 200,000. Now it won't adjust immediately, but over time, it does adjust if you're working and you're, you get paid more in dollars, but they don't buy as much. And they it won't keep pace with inflation. The government right. will mandate It doesn't wages, keep up with inflation, but, but people will be making, my point is, is that people will be making more money in nominal terms because of the massive amounts of inflation, right? So you... Not everybody will be able to afford gold, especially as it gets right. into the later stages, like what Lynette said, right? right. Initially, people will be able to do that. But as we get further into a hyperinflation or a reset type scenario, by that time, most people are in abject poverty because it's just wiped out everything that they own. It's, that's why it's definitely great to own it now because you can always liquidate it, whether that's in your currency now or you could liquidate it right? You could, let's say you lived here in the United States and we were going through hyperinflation. You could always liquidate it in Europe and get euros and then convert that to dollars. You could also it, just convert it, it right to dollars. You could, but I'm just giving another example of how you can, if this is a question specifically of who's going to be able to buy these right. coins. Well, right? it's true. 
and I want to add something to that, mm -hmm. and that is that both physical gold and silver are used across every single sector of the global economy. So there's always going to be demand for gold and silver. Sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower, but, you, but there's always demand. At least they have, it has been for 6,000 years. So is that suddenly magically going to change? No, no it, it actually gets more intense Right. As people understand what's really happening to the fiat. Correct. There will be a massive amount of demand. Everyone will want it. As we get further into a hyperinflationary situation, less people will be able to buy it. Yes. And the those that have the most wealth will be the ones buying it because they know it's the only thing that really does its job of holding your purchasing power over time. That's why you want to you wanna own it now. And I know what you're saying. Like, hey, if I buy it now... Who am I going to sell it to later? Well, there's always a buyer. There's always, always a buyer. And if, if the United States is the one that's experiencing the hyperinflation, but for whatever reason, the Eurozone is not. Let's just hypothetically say that. That's hypothetical. Right. But you can sell it for Euros, convert it to dollars, right? Swap it and then have more dollars in your possession. So there's always buyers, different markets that you can sell to to get to the cash that you need to do what you need to do. But mark my words and Lynette's words is that gold and silver, if we get into a hyperinflationary environment, gold and silver are going to be the things that you want to maintain your wealth over time. 100%. I don't, I don't even know if there's anything else that you could put your money into that is going to do the job that gold and silver will do during a hyperinflationary environment. Well, considering that I've done those studies, there isn't anything that cannot just save your purchasing power but additionally put you in a position to take advantage of the opportunities, that wealth transfer opportunity in other income producing assets. So, and I mean, I've been studying this since 87 and I have not seen anything else that would do it. That's why I'm here. That's why I came to ITM trading mm -hmm. 22 years ago. Yeah, almost. No, no, just 22, 21, 21, 21 in 21? June. Oh, okay. Um, all right, so Ron L. asks, let's say all hell breaks loose and silver reaches $100 per ounce. What do we do then? <laughs> you hold on to it for dear life unless you need to use it for barter. If we've gotten that local, uh, but you hold on to it, what are you going to do? Convert it? And by the way, I'm not even sure that that's near its fundamental value yet using that particular number. But, but that's the point. You're not going to want to convert it into fiat because... When it gets to 100 or 600 or where, wherever it's going to go, that it's going to, again, be super clear that the currency has lost all of its value. Right. So you would only you would only liquidate it if you needed to actually buy something specific. You would hold on to it because right. it's going to it's going to continue to go up in value. At that Ex point. In nominal terms. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. So you're, you're not going to want to liquidate it for 100 bucks. Guaranteed. All right, so Lorena B. asks, how come the dollar has officially three cents of purchasing power left? Can you show the formula on how to get to those three cents? Well, when I say three cents, it's because the Federal Reserve Education Department, the FRED, that's what they're saying. I actually think it's a lot worse than that. Um, I don't really know the formula that they use, but that's the official number. Uh, so, and we can put the link to the Fred, to the purchasing power of the consumer dollar chart 
in there so you can see it for yourself, Lorena. No, I can't give you the formula because I actually don't know what that formula is, but I know what the Fred says. And I know that, that the central banks and the governments have a tendency to, to, to change the formula of how they calculate things so that it looks closer to what they want, which is why I say it's probably worse than that. The only thing that's holding it together is public confidence. So yeah. people are still willing to work it's for it. It's actually on the back of one of these of one of your face dollars. Oh, yeah. Are they in here? Yeah. So, so. the, the chart that one. she's talking about is actually, the three cents comes off of the Fred chart mm -hmm. that shows the purchasing power of the consumer dollar from 1913 to present. Mm -hmm. So when the Federal Reserve took over. And uh, it looks kind of like this, but it doesn't have the dollar bill on it. But it's basically 1913 being all the way over here present day being all the way over here and it shows that when the federal reserve took over a dollar was worth a dollar and now it's worth right it could cents. buy a dollar's worth of purchasing of stuff then and a great example is you know back in 1913 if you had a dollar bill or you had a one dollar <laughs> silver coin so an ounce of silver or this is a twenty dollar but you had a one dollar gold coin which is about half the size of a pinky fingernail, it's a 20th of an ounce, you could have bought 11 loaves of bread with any one of those. Today, you're getting, if you're lucky, a quarter of a loaf, probably less than that, with the dollar bill. You can still, last time I checked, you could still buy 11 loaves of bread with the silver dollar, not in terms of the spot market, but in terms of what we would have to pay for this, the um, wholesale retail market. And, you know, again, last time I checked, you could, you could get 100, or 135 loaves of bread with that $1 gold coin. So I think that's a good example of the loss of purchasing power. But if you want to see it for yourself, then just go to the Fred. We'll put the link in there to the purchasing power chart. Or just, just do a search on FRED purchasing power of the consumer dollar and the Federal Reserve chart will come up and you can see it. Yeah, and the actual, what it says on the top of the chart is consumer price index for all urban consumers. Mm -hmm. So you'll know you hit the right one when you see that at the top. But yeah, and I think that's a great, I love it when you do that illustration because it's one thing to say there's only three cents left of the purchasing power, right, of that dollar. But back then, but it's hard the dollar, imagine. the mm -hmm. dollar, one ounce of silver and a 20 ounce of ounce of a gold and a $1 bill could all buy the same. the same thing. And now the dollar buys nothing, the silver buys something, but the gold buys even more, right? And that gold's really been the true, you know, strong performer well yeah like like it has for thousands of years they just don't want you to understand it yeah and so they have to manipulate the visible price but i mean do you really think that wall street in any instance is going to tell you what the true fundamental value of any asset is and on the collectible side since 1971 since we have a measurement from 1971 to present uh, this has outperformed bullion gold, so just the regular like spot price of gold by more than two times. I want to say it's like two and a half times or three times to one. I'd have to look at the numbers, but it's somewhere between two and three times 
what Bullion's done of retaining, of doing a better job in performance, mm -hmm. even more so than, you know, the dollar, silver, Bullion gold, and then collectible gold. Absolutely. Even better performance. All right, so Redbud F asks, when that Mad Max scenario happens, isn't an ounce of gold still just an ounce of gold? Well, it is still an ounce of gold. It isn't going to suddenly have more gold in it. But considering that when the Mad Max, or it doesn't even have to get to the Mad Max level, okay? But when the, when the currency is imploding, yes, you want the ounce of gold. Why? Because it has the most demand. This is a bazooka going into this battle. This is nothing going into this battle. I think what, what Redbud's asking, though, is, isn't an ounce of gold still just an ounce of gold? So isn't this ounce of gold the same as a gold eagle ounce of gold? Oh, is that, oh okay. Yes. I didn't read it like that, but I, I could imagine that that would um, actually... So just by, just by bullion, because an ounce of gold is an ounce of gold. Right. Yeah, wrong. <laughs> okay. Let's think of it like there's an auction. And you walk into this auction and there are 10 of the same thing on the table and there are 10 people there and everybody wants one. Well, wherever the bidding opens, then they're going to pay for that. But when you're more elite, you want what nobody else can have. And so now they pull out one of these and they still have 10 people that want it. Well, they're going to bid that price up until they get it. For a Mad Max There's, scenario, you're gonna need more than just gold. But, right. the, but the, goal of, the goal of the gold, number one, if it gets to a Mad Max scenario, if the gold hasn't already been confiscated by then, <laughs> Good I'd point. be surprised. Thank you. Yeah. Number two, and when I say gold, I mean bullion. I don't bullion. mean Monetary collectibles. Gold. Um, and uh, at that point, you're, you're, you're holding on to your gold as long as you can to get to the other side of when you know, government establishes new, new structure, new currency, and then you can hold that and transfer that into the new system and get, you know, and have your purchasing power intact. Your wealth transfers with you from the old system to the new system. Now, we don't Thank know. Thank you. That's a really good the, point. The Mad Max scenario, I mean, that's just, it's so hypothetical. No one can really get in and answer that question because how long does it last? What happened to make it that way? Was it an EMP attack? And, you know, it takes 50 years to rebuild everything. I mean, it's just too hard of a question to answer. But um, if if this if this is 3000 and a and a $3,000 and an ounce of gold is $2,000 and the fundamental value of gold is 15,000 or 20,000. It, it's almost irrelevant the ounce of bullion versus the ounce of collectible because you're buying it so far under the fundamental value yeah. of gold anyways. Yeah. And then, but this has the best chance of surviving government's overreach. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I learned from my uncle Al. When he could hold at least 3,000 ounces of gold in the legal way so that he can use it in the normal marketplace. And what did he have? He had the pre-33s. Yeah, I think, I really strongly believe, and I'm starting to hear other people, I, I think it was Ron DeSantis who was getting interviewed. I just happened to see a random clip, and uh, he was being interviewed, and they asked him, what do you think about central bank digital currencies? And he said, well, they're terrible. And he said that, 
you know, he goes, I believe they don't want you to have, they're going to go cashless and they're going to go and get rid of um, all the other cryptocurrencies, right? They're going to start closing the exits down. So you're trapped inside these CBDC so they can make you do whatever they want you to do. Yeah. And the best chance of actually being able to own gold when that happens is by owning gold that hasn't been confiscated in the past. Exactly. Not to beat a dead horse (laughs) over and over and over, but we get these questions all the time and, you know, we got to, we constantly have to answer them, but. Yeah, because, and, and the reason is, is because this is what the elites buy and the elites either write the laws or they have the ability to influence those that write the laws. It's just that simple. So that's the classification that I want to be in. I don't have to spend $8 million on a coin but I want to be in the in that $8 million classification because that is my best opportunity to be able to hold on to my gold and use it in the normal marketplace. Right. In 1933, when they took it too, they gave everyone $20.67 an ounce, which is the going rate. But then they, after they got it all, so then they immediately revalued gold against the dollar up to $35 and everybody lost 42% of their purchasing power overnight. So all the people who were elite and had the inside information could then go get the gold that they could keep and then maintain their purchasing power and their wealth through that 42% overnight devaluation. And through today. Correct. So this is, this is why. So uh, Jody B asks, we live in New Zealand and are moving to a small cabin. Do you think should we sell the home we currently live in to invest in gold and silver or rent the house out? Oh, if those were the two choices, then I would sell the house. You have to do whatever you're comfortable, Jody, but I would sell the house and invest in gold and silver because part of the problem with rent is that they will put rent controls in. At some point, they will put these rent controls in, but they won't control your costs. Well, and also so if hyperinflation comes in, who can afford to pay the rent anyways? Yeah, very good point. So you'll have squatters. You'll absolutely have squatters. But um, yeah, so definitely if you're not going to live in that house, if you have a nice small cabin, you can have your gardens and all that. And by the way, I might be in New Zealand right now because <laughs> we're recording this. And New Zealand has been on my bucket list since 1987. When I first started working in non-dollar denominated bonds, the New Zealand bonds were my very favorite. So I had to learn about the economy and I had to learn about about New Zealand and I kind of fell in love. And so a trip to New Zealand has been on my bucket list since 1987. Well, I, I think it's important here to mention too, as a blanket statement, what Lynette's saying, yes. But you have if you have, well, but if you also have a mil- I'm just going to throw it out there. Let's say you had a million dollars in gold and silver already. Yeah. Does it harm you to hold on to that house now and rent it out? Absolutely not. You could rent it out and get income from it and because you've already built a portfolio of gold and silver that can help you help protect you, right? So right. my so philosophy is matter. always get enough gold and silver in your portfolio to protect yourself and have the peace of mind that you need so that mm-hmm. you can do all the other things in life that you want to do and hope to do and dream to do, you know, if you, if you build it right, you can have it all. Yeah, Right. But, exactly. but, if, but if you only have the house 
and you don't have any other money to buy gold and silver, you don't have money in stocks or bonds or other areas where you can pull from to get gold and silver, then, then yeah, it probably makes sense to sell that cabin and buy gold and silver with it. Not the because cabin, Because you don't the house. have any. Yeah, You're sorry, the house. the cabin. The house. So then, because you don't have any. You need definitely 100% need some. Absolutely. 100%. If you don't have it for what, what's coming, it's going to be terrible. Really good point. So if you haven't done this yet, you need to click that Calendly link below and start your gold and silver strategy and you, and you start with your goals. So sometimes that's a little challenging for people to, to define those goals, but we'll help you define them. And then you make the choices with the gold and the silver that will support whatever your particular goals and circumstances and what you have to work with but at least you have a plan in place, which you've got to have right now, and then get it executed. Because having a plan but not executing it really doesn't do you a whole lot of good. Just having a conversation and not following through doesn't really do you a whole lot of good. But we definitely do need more than just gold and silver. This is your foundation. You need this for protection and for opportunity positioning but you also need food, water, energy security, barterability, wealth preservation, community, and shelter. And you can find information and people that are willing to help you in, on the Beyond Gold and Silver channel. I mean, we have my whole little community in there showing you what to do. And if you wanna have conversation with like-minded people, check out thriverscommunity.com and that's where you'll find that. Because quite frankly, we really are all in this together. And it's gonna take all of us voting with our wallets that is going to make the difference. We can do a peaceful revolution if we just vote with our wallets. And I think that's critically important. But definitely do not forget that financial shields are made of physical gold and physical silver. Not this stuff, not paper or promises. And until next we meet, please be safe out there. Bye-bye.